0: everybody. Good afternoon. If y'all want to make your way in, I know the coffee is amazing. We're going to get started. Welcome everybody. My name is Meredith. My husband Claude and I are the lead pastors of this wonderful church. And I just want to give a warm welcome to everybody in the room today, as well as many of you joining us online. I think uh, possibly the first glimpse of warm weather might mean more of you are online this week, uh, which is okay. But it is so good to be together. I just like to take a second and just kind of take a deep breath and say, we're here. We're here together. We're here as we are, the cares of the week. You can sit here and just engage for this next hour or so. You're among friends. You know, last week we talked about community and the investment that we get to make in that. And gospel Center community is not perfect, uh, but it's a gift and it's God's strategy for us uh, to kind of get through this crazy life and to influence this world. Um, I had a thought this week before Circles, Um, that God doesn't always give us the answers that we want, but he gives us each other. And he gives us other things as well, the Holy Spirit, among other things. But we get each other. And, you know, sometimes I think we expect certain things to fall out of the sky, but at the end of the day, God's like, but here, I've put these people, your church family, in your path, and we get to do life together. And so I'm really excited to be here today. I'm excited for the possibilities of how you get to invest in community, um, of how you can kind of walk it out, walk out life and do life together. Maybe meet someone new today. Maybe go out to dinner afterwards with somebody that you're getting to know, but uh, stay rooted in community. Uh, it's a worthwhile investment. Uh, but anyway, just a thought. I was go. I'm going to talk through some information for all of us here today, for all of you online. Some of this may not apply uh, for you, but we can. You can check out our website, and lots of stuff can happen there. Uh, first, welcome to any guests in the room. Um, we know that it can be intimidating to to visit a church for the first time, or if you haven't been in a while. And we're just happy to serve you any way that we can. So, any way that we can make your experience here at Centerway uh, more comfortable. We're happy to do that. Uh, we would love for you to share your information with us if you are new or if you have information to update. Um, we would just like to, to be able to get feedback from you, to connect with you. We're not going to stalk you or hunt you down, um, but especially if you're updating information, it will just help us as we send out emails and different things that are coming up. Um, you can do that a couple of different ways, last my train of thought. You can do that through the info card that's in the back of the room or at the info center. Um, you can also do that via an app that we use called the UVersion app or the Bible app. The information for that is on the screen. The good thing about that app is you can For sure, do your information on there, but you can also follow along with the message and you can take notes in there and everything and they'll just be just for you. Um, So that is great. The other thing that you can do on the app is give. If you feel compelled to give, you can do so a number of different ways. Like I said, on the app, in the back of the room, or you can do that online through a give tab. We love to be generous here at Centerway. And speaking of that, um, we had put on social medias um, some ways to support uh, the efforts in Ukraine. One of our partners that we do lots of things with all throughout the year is Convoy of Hope. And so if you go to our give tab, there's a drop dropdown um, that says, I think like Ukraine Convoy of Hope or something like that, COH. And um, that's a way for you to give if you just want some practical ways. You're going to hear about another way at the end of the gathering today. Um, but again, offering box in the back website, all that good stuff. If you have questions, if you have ideas, if you have feedback or need prayer, you can email us at connect at centerwaychurch.com. We check that email throughout the week, and that's a good way to do that. Some other ways to connect and engage throughout the week are with wallpapers uh, that have our application question on it, our Spotify playlist, uh, social media, and uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday devotionals that our team curates, and they are so, so good, and we're bringing back some devotional videos um, this for this series, and so we're excited about that as well. You can visit the message messages page um, of the website to access all of those resources Um, there's lots of things you can do throughout the week to take next steps as well and if you're looking for ways to grow you can serve it's such a good way to connect and engage you can get spiritually coached water baptized or become a centerway steward and you can check out all those things on the next steps page or at the next steps booth out in the lobby someone will be there to talk to you about that Um, Circles is going great. Just a reminder, we are meeting this Thursday, the students, and Friday, Um, and so we're excited about that. We get to do life together and have great conversation. If you want to hop in on that, it's not too late. Uh, You can find all the information on our website. So here's what to expect for the rest of the gathering today. I'm going to pray, and then Joe's going to come and read the scripture text for us. Then Claude will be communicating from the Bible, and then we're going to wrap up and respond to the word through singing. So let's pray together. God, what a gift it is to be in your presence. What a gift it is to have a church family, and gospel-centered community, and you're designed for us to live and do life. And so, God, we just um, don't take for granted today what we get to be a part of and uh, what you're doing. And as we embark on this new series and um, go into Ephesians chapter 3, Lord, our hearts are open, and we just want to hear from you, and we want to walk out different than what we came in. And uh, we just give you all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Thank you, Meredith. My name is Joe. I'll be reading the scripture for today. You can follow along in the Bible app, or in your Bibles, or your scripture journals, or in the screens behind me. Uh, We're in Ephesians 3, verses 1 through 7. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made, made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly,
2: I put it on the... That's right. I got it. That's fine, Joe. I'll do it. Man, you know? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm just giving him a hard time. Usually he's the one giving me a hard time, so I got to return the favor there. Excited to, uh, to be with you today. I appreciate that, Joe. And um, we're beginning a new series, as already has been mentioned. It's entitled Walk With Me. Walk With Me. And today's uh, message in particular is entitled Mystery. So, walk with me as we discover a mystery. Uh, In starting a new series, we continue to journey through Ephesians, as was already mentioned by Meredith, um, which is a prison epistle, and so that's uh, church talk for a letter that um, was written while the author was in prison. The author of Ephesians is the Apostle Paul, in case you're just joining us, and uh, he's writing to the church in Ephesus, hence the name, Ephesians. Uh, So for for the next nine weeks... I basically want to invite you uh, to walk with me, to walk with me as we continue to learn to follow Jesus both in unity and love. And I want to start by kind of sharing a story with you. I don't know how many of you have um, exposure to um, high peak hiking or any type of um, Rigorous hiking. Sometimes you say hiking and people are like, oh, yeah, I hike. And they talk about like a little trail that they walk on. Um, but if you can imagine, um, you know, it's like going upstairs for several hours for several miles and then coming down the stairs when you're done. That's kind of a snapshot of what it's like to go the high peak. Um, I love it. And one of the um, first time, in fact, the third uh, high peak that I did was Giant, Giant Mountain. And uh, it's a four mile hike uh, one way. And compared to, to what I had done in the past, I thought this will be pretty easy. It's pretty straightforward. And so we had the, the really great idea to do it in the winter. And, uh, so we rented a bunch of gear and, uh, a guy by the name of Jeremiah and Eric Hamlin, who is usually at the, uh, um, next steps table. He's with, in with the kids this week, but, um, we, uh, we decided that we were just going to go there. We're going to go and hike up Giant real quick and maybe grab RPR as a secondary mountain and it would just be a great day and easy enough. And so uh, we put on our snowshoes and headed into the forest and it was a nice sunny day. Um, it was definitely negative degrees out don't know the exact temperature, but it was freezing. And we got to break the trail, which means there was no trail there. And so in snowshoes, we were trudging through feet of snow. And it probably, I don't know, I was probably going to say about a half a mile in where we realized this was probably a really dumb decision. And uh, our water lines had flash frozen. And so we're like trying to suck on these things that are not providing us anything because it's just ice. And we're like, wow, I wonder if we'll die here today. And uh, we continued to press forward. And there were a whole mess of times where we talked about whether or not we should turn around. There were uh, traumatic moments where people were saying they couldn't feel their fingers and all types of wonderful moments along the way. And uh, it's amazing as you're kind of looking through this map prior to this hike and you're preparing everything. You're looking at it and you just see this little line that kind of zigzags and goes up and you read trail reports and you're like, that's pretty easy. Like it's pretty straightforward. We just, we go up and then we come down until you're doing it. And then when you're doing it, you realize there's nothing easy about this. And uh, there were some critical moments where uh, I just refused to turn around. And uh, thankfully, uh, we survived. I know, you're welcome. If you were nervous about that, uh, we all made it. And, uh, but there were some moments where I was like, I've come too far. I've come too far. I'm not going to turn around. It was like one of those like speeches, you know, in my mind, it was really profound and amazing. Uh, I'm sure that if anybody had a video, it would not be very compelling, but it was a moment where I had climbed up uh, against all odds on this ice front of a stone and had gotten to the top. And Eric and Jeremiah were like, I don't, I think maybe we should just turn around. And I'm like, I've come too far. (laughs) I refuse to spend a day away from my family and have frozen fingers to say I almost made it to the top. I'm going with or without you, but go ahead, you can turn around if you want i wouldn 't be able to look at myself in the mirror. It was something like that, but there was music playing in the background, and it was powerful. A light shone on me, and yeah, anyway, in either case, uh, I gave them a hand, and we pulled each other up and we made it to the summit and um, it was incredible, it was breathtaking. The views were amazing, and as difficult as it was, we have stories now because we were kind of bond together through that. Have you ever experienced something that's so difficult that you're kind of linked forever with that person or persons? It's like this, this pain or this difficulty, it's kind of meshed your hearts together. And you're like, listen, we look back fondly on how we grew together, but it took the pain of that season to get to this place. So the question I wanna ask you as we move into the text is this, why can't simple always mean easy? Why can't simple always mean easy? Oh, man, it feels like a question that humanity could just shout. Like, if it's that easy, if it's that simple, like, we just go up the mountain. Like, we just go up. It's a couple miles away. And then come back down. Why can't that be easy? Well, things are simple to say. And even sometimes they're simple to agree with. Like, you can get a group of people and maybe convince everybody to agree until it's time to act. So something can be simple and even clear, but it doesn't mean that it's necessarily easy, right? Any action taken costs something. It costs something. Whether it's time, energy, resources, everything we decide to do costs us something, right? It's always, you know the saying, easier said than done. Thank you for one person that said it. (laughs) Done, 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 done. Okay. It's always easier said than done. If it requires something of us, it's rarely easy. Think about that for a second. If it requires something of us, then it's rarely easy. It stands to reason. Now, as humans, we don't like that. We like easy. We like easy. Even our brain. Like, if you talk to to scientists that study the brain, like, it takes the path of least resistance it's memories and it's, it, it's a way for to say, listen, I know how to do this and so I'm gonna do it the way that I've remi- remed- remembered to do it. Evidently, my mind is struggling to speak today. So as humans, we like easy. And it's not always because we're lazy, um, although some of us might readily admit that like I like easy because I'm kind of lazy. It's not always necessarily that it's laziness, but it's more that It's kind of common sense. It's kind of common sense. I mean, why work harder if you don't have to? Why do something the hard way? Work smarter, not harder. We've heard that said as well. But if you think about it, easy often pays little to no benefit. The easy path often pays little to no benefit. Hard is what changes us, it's what makes us better, it's what makes us stronger. Physically, there's no easy way to exercise. That's why we all say we're going to do it, and some of us rarely do. Exercise. If you want to get stronger, then you have to do the hard work. There's no such thing as easy exercise. Even in organizations, they call it innovation, right? The 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 status quo, the way we've always done it, that's the easy way. But if you want to move forward, if you want to, to try to innovate, then It means some hard work. It means change. It means difficulty. I know we don't like to hear it or maybe even consider it. Maybe some of you, upon the very consideration that hard might make more sense, you're like, I really want to be out of the conversation. But let me say this. The best things in life are often hard. Like it or not, the best things in life are often hard. From the sense of joy that we have after completing a project right up to the, to the love and the deeper bond that we have because of the hard work of a relationship, right? A, re, a hard work of relationship that actually brings us closer. We understand the concept, right? Nobody gets married because it's easy. Nobody enters into to a, a journey to, to hike or to summit something because it's easy. No, it's, it's partly because of the work and the journey, the process. Don't get me wrong, harmony offers ease. But conflict brings depth to our lives and our relationships. It's the conflicts that cause us to draw closer. It's in the hard that we find who we actually are and even who others are. Difficulty is revealing. Listen, it's easy to say that we should love even those that we disagree with and that we should even be unified by the gospel. That's easy to say but it's not easy in practice. So you can simply say those things. You can even agree upon them, but it's not easy in practice. Why? Because it requires something of us. And that's what Paul is talking about here. He's discussing a mystery, a mystery that at face value is simple, but it's not easy. Simple, but not easy. Verses one through two, if I can reread them for a moment, it says this, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming, and you'll see there that there's a dash from verses one to two. I'll talk about that in a second. Verse two starts with assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. So at the end of verse one, as I just mentioned, there's a dash in the text. And that's because Paul begins a new topic here. In fact, um, then from from verses 2 through 13, he digresses to complete a practical thought that he has before he gets back on track to what he started with in verse 14. So, in fact, if you look at the original text in the Greek, verses 2 through 13 are one really long run-on sentence. Uh, which he has done prior in Ephesians. If you've been with us, we've talked about that. And he will do again if you continue to journey with us. This sentence actually has two focuses. And so today we're gonna look at the first kind of chunk of that thought in verses one through seven. We're gonna talk about this mystery, a mystery. He breaks off after verse one as he mentions that he's a prisoner. And we actually learn in the conclusion of this sentence all the way down in verse 13, which we'll talk about next week, that he wants them to not lose heart is what it says. Basically, he doesn't want them to be discouraged. He doesn't want the people in Ephesus to be discouraged. So in context, Paul is breaking off here because he wants to address their concern over his suffering. He wants them and us to have a theologically sound perspective on difficulty and suffering, on things that are hard. Basically acknowledging, listen, life is hard life is hard easy doesn't always mean right and hard doesn't always mean wrong let me say that again because it goes completely contrary to the ease of life that the american dream kind of instills within us easy doesn't always mean right and hard doesn't always mean wrong so practically you know what that means It means sometimes God's will for you is the hard path. It's the hard path. So if you kind of flesh that out a little bit, the litmus test for God's will is not ease. Sometimes we think like, oh, this is so easy. It must be what God wants me to do. (laughs) As if God is just opening doors of ease and that that's how we should be directed. But there's nowhere in scripture that says that. That to follow Jesus is in some way taking the easy path. In fact, if you look at scripture, you might want to give the hard path a longer, harder look because more often than not, it seems like that's the path that God is leading us towards. Sometimes good people doing the right thing have difficulties. Good people doing the right thing have difficulties. Pursuing easy is sometimes settling for a lesser version of your one and only life. It's like, listen, but I just want it to be easy. It shouldn't be this hard. Who says? Who says life shouldn't be hard? Well, I don't know. Me. (laughs) I say it should be easy. Why? I don't know. Because I don't like the hard, is what we're really saying. But sometimes pursuing ease in the the path of least resistance and and the easiest lane is settling for a lesser version of your one and only life. Hardship is... Isn't just for bad people. It's not just for bad people. Some people become Christians because they think it means life will be easy, that they'll avoid suffering and hardship, that if they can just buy into this Christendom idea, then suddenly they'll be running in fields and people will just be stopping them to say, Wait, I want to give you money and food and cars. Like all of the blessings, they're just flowing everywhere. Why? Because I love Jesus and everything is easy now. That's a false gospel. That's a false gospel. Jesus says there will be difficulties. There will be suffering in this world. We know that. It's simple. It's simple to understand. But it's not easy. It's not easy. Because suffering shakes our faith. In fact, some of us may doubt that there even is a God because we experience or we see such deep suffering. We think there's no way. There's no way that a a God of love would allow or permit suffering. This having your faith shaken by difficulty is not a new struggle. The people in Ephesus realize Paul is in prison for being a follower of Jesus Specifically, he's in prison because he's trying to influence Gentiles to come to the saving knowledge of the Lord. And so he's in prison in a lot of ways because of them, because of them. And it's discouraging. It's shaking their faith. It's shaking their faith. And we know this because of what he states in verse 13. So Paul wants them, and I would argue us, to have a solid theological foundation, even and especially in hardship and suffering. As humans, we wanna be rescued. Like God, if if you're real and you're out there, just pull me out of the hard. Like just make this easy. God, you see that I'm in pain, why won't you just pull me out of it? It's interesting because we don't apply that same concept to our lives. When we see our kids going through difficulty, we help walk alongside them and we navigate what it is to, so that they come out on the other side a better version of themselves. They, don't have, they can't avoid the struggles and the difficulties of life. And yet we have that expectation of God. God, just pull me out. Just pull me out right now. Rescue me from it. But God doesn't promise that. He promises that you won't be alone as you walk through it. And in fact, he promises it that as you're walking through it, He's actively redeeming it. That your pain matters. That the hurt and the suffering has purpose because God is actively redeeming it as he's walking alongside you. Listen, just like any relationship, when the difficulty and the hardships come, you can push away. You can push away. Or you can lean in and the hardships can cause you to grow closer. Closer to God. You see, the choice is really ours. Do we push away from the table in the midst of suffering and difficulty and hardship, or do we lean in? Verses four through five goes on and says, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by what? By the spirit. Mystery of Christ. Three times. Three times the word mystery is mentioned in these verses right here, verses one through seven. In English, uh, mystery means something entirely differently than what it means in Greek. Entirely different than what it means in Greek. To us, mystery means something that's hidden that we need to discover. I grew up watching Murder, She Wrote. (laughs) Why are you guys laughing? It's an awesome show. (laughs) Oh, that Angela Lansbury. She cracks me up. She was amazing, absolutely incredible. An author turned like, what is it called? Uh, gumshoe? Is that right? Called uh, when somebody that finds figures out murder mysteries. Gumshoe, I think so. Angela Lansbury. She lived in a small New England community called Cabot Cove. Right? There's this quaint little place. If you guys have not seen this, you're, some of you are looking at me like I'm crazy. You missed out on murder. She wrote. You missed out on living. This is this little community in New England called Cabot Cove where everyone knows everybody's name it's like the perfect American little community there's literally a white picket fence outside of her house she knows everybody there's an absolutely amazing place to see on television every week the only bad part about Cabot Cove is someone gets murdered every week (laughs) like hey hi did you hear what there's been a murder you're kidding (laughs) like why is everybody friendly and yet there's always a murderer up in Cabot Cove Oh, Angela, she always figured it out, though. Even when she was on vacation, someone would get murdered. (laughs) Such a creepy premise. In either case, it was a classic whodunit mystery show. That's what the premise was. You're trying to find out the whole time. You're trying to figure out who is it that has done the murder. And every time, Angela would figure it out. That's what we think of when we think of mystery. Maybe not murder, she wrote, for those of you that are not, you know, as, uh, as... what am I trying to say? I just blanked out on my own thought process, which is really a bad place for me to be. Um, so I will move on. When when we think of uh, mystery, uh, that's what we think of. We think of this idea of who done it, a murder mystery. It's something that we have to figure out. It's something we have to lean into and connect the dots and be like, "Oh my goodness, I know it. I know who did it." But that's not what the Greek word means. The Greek word for mystery actually means the opposite. It means something that must be revealed by God because it's a secret. It's a secret that we can't attain. So mystery in scripture means it is something that we will never know. That in our own uh, thought process, if our, in our own humanity, we will never come to the conclusion of. So biblical mystery requires divine revelation. Salvation by grace is a mystery to humanity. The gospel is counterintuitive. Let me explain. Earning salvation makes complete sense to us. In our humanity, if all of a sudden we realize like, oh my goodness, there is a God and, and I'm a bad person. It makes perfect sense that all of a sudden we have to do everything we can to earn salvation. If you think for a moment about your own depravity and your own capacity to sin, beyond the obvious, I mean, the, the secret depths of your heart, the things that, that you think, the things that you never put action or even word to, but the depravity of your own soul, then maybe you'd think you know what, I need to be a better person. Maybe I need to try to modify my behavior in hope of kind of tipping the scale towards more good things than bad things. And if I could do enough good, then maybe I'll be found worthy by God. That's where humanity goes. That's where we would try to figure out our own salvation. But that's not the mystery of the gospel. Grace. Grace is the idea that God himself, without sin, totally innocent, would unfairly suffer hardship loneliness rejection physical pain even death on a cross for your sin and mine and then in turn offer us grace that's a god idea that's a mystery that's the gospel it's outside of our of our realm of comprehension it's something that actually offends our humanity because we want to earn Have you ever met someone that thinks they know something, like something irrational? I had to buy something at the Apple Store, I think it was last week or the week prior. I walked in and as I'm waiting for them to get an item, I'm standing by one of the tables and I'm listening to different conversations taking place and a guy walks in, I would guess he's probably somewhere in his 20s and he's talking to one of the uh, Apple Store employees and they say, do you have any questions? And They go, no, I know everything I need to know about any Apple product. He's like, whoa, really? And he's like, Yeah. It's like, you name it, I know it. I know everything about it. He's like, there's really nothing I have a question about. And he goes, okay, well, there's a difference between not having a question and literally knowing everything about it. And he goes, yeah, no, I I literally know everything there is to know about Apple products. And the guy working there was like, wow, that's impressive. I work here and I don't claim to know that. And then he just looks at me and I'm like, wow. And he just walks away, right? Why is that? Why, does, why do we share that look? Why is it that he makes that comment? Because there are things in life that we can't possibly comprehend. And when we come across people that claim to know everything, all they're really revealing is they probably know nothing, right? It's often that you know enough to realize how much you don't know. It's the people that kind of come to the realization that they can only scratch the surface. They're an employee in this store, and yet they've only scratched the surface of what it is that they could possibly know about all these different products. It doesn't mean that there can't be a specialist in one of these products, but to claim that you know everything there is to know about all these products is to really reveal that you probably know the least of anyone. You've just scratched the surface of something when you're able to say, I know enough about it to know I don't know much. And I wanna submit to you that we've just scratched the surface of God's love for us, his plan for your life. You've just scratched the surface of it. If, if you're weighed down by hardship and suffering and, and you're literally paralyzed by the difficulty of your life, then I wanna let you know it's possible that you may not understand the gospel That you may not understand the gospel, that that easy is not the goal. Jesus was truly alone and separated from God so that you and I will never know the true depths of suffering and hardship that our sin deserves. In fact, that our sin requires. The gospel is a mystery. But then Paul further clarifies because up until this point in Ephesians, he's talked about unity, which is simple, but it's not easy. Especially when we as humans gravitate towards like-minded people, people that agree with us, people that are like us. And so in verse six and seven, he goes on, he says, this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. Christians that would otherwise have nothing in common are unified as co heirs because of the person and work of Jesus Christ. And Paul views his hardship as a gift. He is penning this letter in prison, and he views his hardship as a gift. He's not, he's not writing, listen, I'm in a prison. This is not okay. I love Jesus. And so I want you guys to march on Rome. I want you to, to tear it down. Listen, enough is enough. Set me free. <laughs> Why? Because he has perspective. He views his hardship as a gift because he has relational perspective. He's applying the gospel to his life. He's saying easy doesn't always mean right, right? And hard doesn't always mean wrong. So the gospel requires us to know and love one another. And as we walk together, following Jesus, we learn to know and love God more deeply. That's what it looks like to apply the gospel to our lives. It's to not get overwhelmed by the worries and the concerns of this world, but to realize we've been sent on mission to influence influence it with the love and the grace that we have been awarded. To not be distracted by the cares and worries, but to be the hands and feet of Christ to those in need. So the gospel requires us to know and love one another. And as we walk together, following Jesus, we learn to know and love God more deeply. Think about that. The beauty of leaning in to the heart, of linking arms and moving forward. We say every week that the text requires something of us. And of course, this week is no different. And so, the question I want us to be contemplating as we enter into a response of worship, and even as we ultimately leave this place, is this question Who will I spend time with this week? Who will I spend time with this week? Let me explain in the context of what we just shared. And as I explained a little bit, I want to welcome you to bow your heads if you'd like. The worship team is going to make their way up. If you want to close your eyes, you can. If you want to leave them open, that's perfectly fine as well. I just don't want you to be distracted as they make their way up. For you, as you contemplate who to spend time with this week, it's possible that maybe the person you need to spend time with this week is God that you need to surrender ultimately to him, that you need to lay your life down, that you're so consumed with the worries and the cares of this world and how you're trying to stabilize the ease of life and the path of least resistance that it's really become more about you organizing and controlling your life than it is about surrendering to God. And so if you've never come into relationship with God and surrendered to his will, I wanna welcome you to do that. It's a prayer that can be prayed in any way. It's a simple acknowledgement of your sin and an awareness of his sacrifice. And so, if you're out there and you've never come into relationship with Christ, I want to encourage you to pray a prayer that simply says, I'm a sinner. Lord, I'm a sinner, but you died for my sins. Would you forgive me? Come and be the Lord and leader of my life. If you're praying that prayer or some version of it, and you're here with us today, In the room, I want to welcome you to have a conversation with me after, uh, either here or at the next steps area. If you're watching or listening to this live or online um, later on in the week and you've prayed that prayer, I want to encourage you to reach out by email or to look at our website to see what the next steps are. We don't want emotional reaction, we want opportunity to walk alongside you as you make decisions to follow Christ. For others of us that have already crossed that line of salvation, who is it that I will spend time with this week? Is it possible that, that you haven't been guarding your hearts? That you've been so consumed by the worries and the cares of this world that you're pursuing what people of this world say you ought to do? Maybe you need to spend time with other believers this week. People that will challenge you to live in line with the gospel. That will challenge your thought process and direct you to pursue the things of God. God instead of the worries and the cares of this world. If you're out there and you say, listen, I've, I've surrendered my life to Christ and, and I have a fairly balanced view of who it is that I allow kind of influence my thoughts. I've guarded my heart. Then I want to challenge you. Maybe who you need to spend time with this week is a more missional question. Maybe it's time for you to influence your spheres To be a person that lives on mission, that is the hands that are the hands and feet of Jesus, someone that desperately needs to know the story of redemption that's played out in your life, or or maybe someone that is in practical need that just needs somebody to meet that need and tell them about God's love and grace. For all of us, I think we need to spend more time with God. We never have enough time spent in God's presence. We're in a a Lent season leading up to Easter, and we're gonna talk as we get closer about encouraging you to even join corporately as we enter into a fast. But as we consider this season and, and what it looks like as we get closer to Easter, I just wanna challenge you. What does it look like to spend time with the Lord? Are you putting your thoughts and your worries and your hardship, are you, are you leaning into that and laying it at his feet and say, God, would you give me perspective that I could view the difficulty and the hardship of my life in some way as a gift of your grace? In fact, we can all spend time with God now as we enter into a time of, of worship and response. And so I'm just gonna lead us in a prayer as we do that. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would direct our hearts that as we consider what it is that we really spend time doing, as we pursue things on, on social media or to mentally disengage or whatever it is that we tell ourselves, Lord, that we would pursue time with you above all else, that we would allow the truth of the gospel and the grace that's available to reorient our heart and minds to rearrange the affections of our heart, to help us change the perspective, that we don't pursue ease, but that we walk the path that you're leading us on. Because you're walking alongside us. So we declare ourselves available. And we declare you worthy of our worship. Would you come inhabit the praises of your people as we surrender and worship you today. Let's spend time with the Lord together.
0: If you'd like to stand, you're welcome to stand. If you want to sit or kneel or journal or whatever you want to do, but we're going to sing just three songs that kind of put voice to the text for today and put some praise on our lips to God. Amen. kid read carried book.
3: let create.
2: we're grateful that you never leave or forsake us. Lord, that you're walking beside us. That you're walking us through the hard, through the the suffering, through the pain, and you're redeeming it as we go. That you're working all things together. Father, I pray that we would have the presence of mind by the leading of your spirit to rest in your embrace, to find peace in your presence. Lord, that in all things we would, we would lean in to our relationship with you. Lord, we declare ourselves available for your leading. And we want to leave this place having had an encounter with the living God and forever changed by it. So we ask for that today. That you'd reveal the mystery of the depth and the truth of the gospel to our hearts. Rearrange and reorient every aspect of who we are so that we could live life to the fullest, the, the life you intended. Or disrupt our every day. Take the places where we pursue ease and shake it so that we wouldn't become complacent in the areas where we have been called to be more than conquerors. That we would move forward in power, not for our own benefit, but for the furtherance of the gospel. And that in all things we would live on mission because of who you are and that what you've done. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. I ask that you would just uh, take a seat. I, I want to conclude today, slightly different than we typically would, but we've done this before in the past as well. I want to make you aware, as Meredith already mentioned, because you guys give consistently, we're able to respond immediately. And so we're able to respond um, with our partners, Convoy of Hope, Uh, they've set up in Poland and they're meeting refugees at the border of people that are uh, escaping Ukraine and with supplies and and needs. And even some of the hygiene packs that we put together, our circle put together and sent out there too. So it's kind of cool to know that we're part of it on on many levels. And so if you want to give financially to that, then we want to encourage you to do that. Um, But also, Want to make you aware of something kind of unique today, which is pretty cool. Um, The the church that we meet in is Willowbrook Christian Church, and um, Willowbrook Christian Church has a missionary that they support, and um, she is present today and um, has set a table up, or has a table set up in the lobby there. And so, I just want to make you uh, aware of of who she is, and I want to introduce you a little bit. um, And so, I have an introduction that I'm going to read to you. Um, In high school in Syracuse, uh, Elise West was given a dream by God to design a home, marry, and then adopt children with, dis- with disabilities. And surprisingly, to all but the God who arranged it, of course. After working with the physically challenged for the last 14 years, Elise has now opened the first home for young men with disabilities in Kherson, Ukraine. She has been uh, traveling in the-, in the States since October of last year, sharing the beauty of Stephen's home with any who are willing to listen. And if you'd be interested in hearing about something good in Ukraine, she'd love to talk with you uh, at her table after today's gathering. And so I just wanna welcome you to do that to the degree in which um, you're interested and uh, wanna support any advancement of the kingdom, but especially in Ukraine these days. And so I wanted to make you aware of that. Um, If you'd like prayer for anything, As we conclude the gathering today, I'd love to be able to pray with you. Um, I'm available at the Next Steps table as well if you have questions about what might be next for you. Uh, The team is gonna continue to play and so I also wanna just welcome you to remain in God's presence if you wanna remain here a little bit. Um, But let's just, um, let's leave this place contemplating uh, who and what we spend our time with this week. All right, God bless you as you go and super excited to be with you again next week and try to enjoy some of this amazing weather. It's supposed to snow tonight, sorry about that, but it's true.